The Happy Even After Podcast. The Happy Even After Podcast. Divorce sucks, but it doesn't need to define you, and it doesn't need to be the end of your story. The Happy Even After Podcast. Meet your host, Renee Bauer, an award-winning divorce attorney, peacemaker, author, and founder of The D Course, an online divorce educational program. She's been doing this work for almost two decades, and she is passionate about helping all women make it out the other side. The Happy Even After Podcast. Let's jump in. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Happy Even After Podcast. And I am so pumped for today's conversation because we are talking about the Busy Woman's Guide to an Extraordinary Life. And my guest is Tanya Dalton. She's a best-selling author, speaker, and nationally recognized productivity expert. Tanya serves as a growth strategist for female leaders, and she is the author of the book On Purpose, The Busy Woman's Guide to an Extraordinary Life of Meaning and Success. In addition to that book, she also has another book called The Joy of Missing Out, and it was named the top 10 business books of the year by Fortune Magazine. Her podcast, The Intentional Advantage, has received millions of downloads from listeners around the world. She is a featured expert on several networks, including NBC and Fox, and is a VIP contributor for Entrepreneur.com. She's been featured in some of the world's leading publications, such as Forbes, Fast Company, and Real Simple. She's been awarded the Elite Enterprising Woman Award and has been named the Female Entrepreneur to Watch for the State of North Carolina. Holy crackers, like you are a powerhouse. (laughs) Welcome, Tanya. Tell my kids you said that because I don't think they buy into that. (laughs) I mean, that was like half of your bio. Like that was a streamlined version because it goes on and on. So it's awesome. I'm so honored to have you here. I'm happy to be here. So I want to start with talking about you in your one of your books, you talk about the science of having a hard time investing in yourself and like there's an actual science behind it. So I want to start there because I think so often people are like, well, I don't have time to invest in myself and that's just the way it is and I'm busy. But I love the fact that you take this from a different perspective and talk about it like in the sense of like how our brains are actually making us make these decisions. So what's that all about? Yeah. Well, I think too, one of the other things we say is I'm just the worst, right? Oh, I'm the worst at goals or I never follow through or I'm just not good at this. And so for me, I love sharing brain research, mainly because I'm a nerd, but also because (laughs) because I feel like it's really empowering to understand, oh, this is how my brain works. It's okay. I'm totally normal. Other people's brains work this way as well. So with the study you're talking about, for me, when I first stumbled across the study, I was like, oh, This makes so much sense. So what the study is, is these uh, scientists took these participants and they put them in these fMRI machines. And an fMRI machine measures your brain activity. And what they would do is they would ask the participants to speak about themselves today. And a certain area of their brain would light up like a Christmas tree every time it lights up that same area of the brain. And then they would say, "Okay, talk about yourself in the future. Now, the future could be two years from now, could be two months from now, could be two hours from now. But when they would speak about themselves in the future, a very different area of the brain would light up, not the same area where they talked about themselves in present day. So this other area of the brain would light up. What's fascinating, though, to me is that when they would tell those same participants to talk about Matt Damon or Natalie Portman, that same area of their brain would light up. So in other words, your brain 
when it's thinking about you in the future, doesn't think it's you. It thinks it's a stranger that you kind of know that looks like you and talks like you and has the same name as you. But is it you? So when it's making choices and making decisions about do I eat the carrots or do I eat the cookie? Do I buy the shoes or do I invest in the 401k? Our brain goes, I don't care about that person in the future. That's a stranger. I care about you today. Let's have the cookie or let's get the shoes, right? Mm. So your brain prioritizes it. It's not that you are the worst at setting your goals. It's that you have to get your brain to understand that that vision you have for the future is for you. So that way you can actually accomplish it. So it's, so what's really interesting too is if you look at an age progressed photo of yourself, you are more likely to save more for your 401k. Little things like that totally flip it on its head, right? So what do we do with that information? Like how do we use that info in our own goal setting process? Yeah. So, well, first of all, we can acknowledge, hey, I'm not the worst at goals. This is how my brain works. And this is totally normal. Our brain prioritizes saving us for today. It wants us to survive the day versus us in the future. So as I mentioned, you can use age progressed photos of yourself when you're wanting to think about saving or where you want to be in the future. You can do little hacks and tricks and Age progress photos and things like that are super easy to do in today's day and age, right? With Snapchat and Instagram, we have all those filters. You could take a picture of somebody crossing a, you know, the finish line at a marathon if you want to run a marathon and superimpose your face on it. So that way it doesn't have to be a great superimposing of your face. It can even be halfway, right? But that way you start to see and visualize you in the future and your brain goes, oh, this that we're doing today, lacing up our shoes, getting out of bed at five o'clock in the morning to go running. That's because that's me in the future. Mm -hmm. So little things like that. And part of it is really empowering ourselves to understand our brain is going to want to prioritize today over the future. So acknowledging that and then saying, "Okay, I get that, but I'm going to choose this instead. Oh, that's so fascinating. So another question. A lot of my listeners are midlife. They're in their 40s and older and some in their 30s too. But they're Careful they calling us older in our 40s. Well, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but they're throwing their hands up and saying like, okay, this is just my lot of life. Like, this is mm-hmm. just what it is. I'm busy. It's chaotic. You know, I can't, I have a job that I don't love. I can't really make any changes. I'm sort of stuck in this. Like, what do you say to that woman who thinks that she is stuck in her current situation right now? Yeah. Well, first of all, I would say you're never stuck. And it's never too late because that's the other thing that people will say when we get to like 30 or 40. We feel like if we don't have it all figured out by the time we're 20, that it's too late. Like the ship has passed, right? Or it's sailed or whatever we say. So it's never too late. Julia Childs didn't start chopping onions till she was 40 years old, right? Vera Wang didn't even sew a single wedding dress until she was 40 years old. A lot of us have this like amazing life that happens in what you could call the second half. And we're not even close to that. We're in our 40s and our 50s nowadays. So really understanding that, first of all, it's never too late. But we do get in this pattern of, well, this is just the way life is. I'm stuck in this rut. And here's what I would say about that word stuck. We think the opposite of stuck is unstuck. Like there's this magical moment where unicorns fly through the sky and rainbows shoot out. And it's like, ah, I'm unstuck. The opposite of stuck is action. Small, tiny action. Just choosing to do something to build momentum to get to that life you want. 
I think one of the things that really holds us back when we're, you know, at this age, our 30s, 40s, 50s, we feel like, you know, oh, how's it going to look to everybody else if I don't know what I'm doing? We have this whole fear of the first time mentality. And the truth is first time mentality is such a gift because when you don't know what's possible, everything is possible. It's easy to test the boundaries and try new things and step into things when you don't know what you're doing. And the truth is, we're all just figuring it out. Each time we get to a new level, there's a new devil that shows up and we have to work through that. So really understanding that it is the action and choosing to take the action, not the big steps, not the giant leaps, because that's what we do is we tend to focus in on, I want to be from where I am now to this place way over here, like this giant chasm we want to jump across. Instead, let's choose to put one foot in front of the other. What's one small step you can take today that will build that momentum to get you started, to get you moving towards that life? Because once you make that first choice, second choice becomes easier and those steps Mm -hmm. become bigger and it all of a sudden it becomes running and you're off and going. So it Mm -hmm. starts small and small is okay. Not knowing what you're doing, absolutely okay. Do you think that sometimes it's necessary to make the big decision, the big, bold leaps, like really just throw yourself into something? I think sometimes it is, definitely. But I don't think it always has to be that way. And I think we have fooled ourselves into believing that if it's not a giant leap, it's not worthwhile, right? Or it doesn't count for anything. And the truth is, it's the smaller steps that count more. You know, there's that whole saying about the joy in the journey. We wait for happiness to be on the other side of this finish line. That when I achieve X, then I'll be happy. When Y happens, then I'll be happy. Or when Z appears in my life, all of a sudden things are going to be sunshine and lollipops. And the truth is, joy and happiness are our birthright. It's hidden in the cracks and the crevices of our everyday life if we choose to see it. So there's a lot of little tiny things that we can be doing that bring us a lot of satisfaction, that bring us a lot of happiness. It's not necessarily the giant leaps that are going to bring that. Yeah. I love that so much. And just a personal story about that is for a long time, I thought, you know, most people who listen know that I'm a writer. And it was, and you and I were just talking about books right before we started recording. When I get an agent, that's going to be the, you know, the golden, like the, the, the magic golden, moment, <laughs> the magic moment. And that's it. And that's going to be it. And like, you know, in the it's I'm going to hear hear music and you get the agent and then nothing happens. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that has been a process to learn to enjoy the journey. And I actually really have, because I think for the first year, I was so much emotion attached to a rejection or a no thanks, this isn't for us. And then I realized, I'm like, you know, that's just a redirection. Like, okay, that's just, uh, you know, how can I get better at this? How can I write something better? How can, you know, and it's just really, really enjoying the journey. And it took me a couple of years to get to that place. But I think that you just, it's so poignant what you said is just to not always focus on that end result because often you get there and it's just like, okay, now what? Now what? That's the big thing. That's actually called the goal setting paradox. When you achieve something and then you're like, okay, now what do I do? Right. But when we align our goals with something bigger, a bigger vision, it becomes, oh, oh, I did this and I know what I'm doing next. And that becomes really powerful. I love what you said there, though, about, you know, we get rejected or people don't like what we're doing. And one of the mistakes we make a lot of times with our goals or our dreams is we think everybody has to buy in and you don't need everybody's buy in. You really don't. 
My mom has this saying that she says from time to time where she says, you know, if you are on the corner handing out $100 bills, somebody complained that their $100 bill was wrinkled, right? (laughs) Right. You're not going to be something that everybody likes. And quite frankly, if you are writing something that everybody likes, or if you're creating something that everybody likes, Mm -hmm. you're not really standing for anything. You're not doing any sort of disruption or making waves or making the impact that you truly want to make. When we stand in confidence with what we believe that we want to do for you, your writing, people are going to be polarized and drawn to you. Your listeners love what you talk about, but you're not for everyone and we're not meant to be for everyone. So it's okay if not everybody buys in. It's okay if even your family members, the people you love in your life don't buy in. The truth is a lot of times our family members are the biggest naysayers with our dreams and our goals, not because they don't love us but because they do, because they want to keep us safe. They want to keep us from failure or rejection. And so that's a way of keeping you safe to keep you in your little tight comfort zone, right? And so they'll say, no, 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 you shouldn't do that. Or that's not right for you. Or this is not what you really want. And that's just them trying to keep you safe. So acknowledge that, appreciate, thank you for that. But that doesn't mean we have to stay where we are. And such a good point because that happens all of the time when someone is making the decision whether to leave their marriage or not. Because well-intentioned family Mm -hmm. members will think that they know better and will say, why can't you just be happy? And it's scary out there. And what are you going to do about the bills? And they they give you all the reasons that you should stay when you know really that you should be leaving. So that's a great point where sometimes you just have to mute that noise And turn them off and say thank you and still make the decision that's in alignment. Yeah. Sometimes we have to go outside of our our little area, our community, our family, right? People are drawn to you because you speak to divorced women. And so they feel like they're part of something that they understand, right? And they may not get that from their family members. It's so important for us to step out and away from who we've been. If you want to change your life, we can't keep doing things the same way we've been doing them. We can't keep identifying ourselves the same way we've been doing it, right? As the wife or the mother or whatever it is you're using to identify yourself. Stepping into a new identity means, it means a little bit of loss. We have to grieve that a little bit. Okay, I'm, I'm moving away from this. If it's divorce, it might be a marriage. If it's stepping away from a job into a new job or stepping into entrepreneurship, it's some of that status and some of that title. If it's, you know, whatever it is that you dream of, you're going to have to let some things go because we're not pack mules. We're not meant to carry it all along with us everywhere we go. Sometimes we have to let it go so that we can lighten our load and step into the greatness that we were truly designed for. Love that. You talk about the beautiful mess effect. What is that? Mm -hmm. Well, the beautiful mess effect is this thing that we do as people that we look at ourselves and we think, I'm a hot mess. I don't do anything right. I don't, you know, all these things that we don't like about ourselves. And we don't like that story of the underdog, right? When we are the underdog, we love it in movies. We love it when we read an article about somebody who's overcome and done all these amazing things. We don't like it in our own life. And the beautiful mess effect is this funny little thing that we do where the very same thing we'll beat ourselves up for. We will look at others and go, oh, isn't she amazing? Look at what all she's done. Look what she overcame. Look what she did. That same thing that we'll criticize ourselves about, we'll look at others and go, that's incredible. So what if we chose to look at ourselves as a beautiful mess? 
I mean, life is messy. We're all a little bit of a mess in some way, shape or form, right? None of us are perfect. We weren't designed to be perfect, but really accepting and acknowledging that we are imperfect, beautifully imperfect. And that's a really good thing because that's what makes you you. That's what makes you unique and really starting to appreciate it. One of the things that I have found that really works for me is this little exercise I do for myself called what would Erica do? So Erica is my best friend. And if I try on a pair of pants, I will say, oh, you look so fat. You look terrible. Look how awful you look. <laughs> Erica, on the other hand, will say, those pants aren't the right style for you. I think we need to try a different color or maybe a different size or let's use, right? She's so much kinder, so much nicer to me than I am. So I will step outside of myself when I've made a mistake or I've had a failure or I've done something wrong. Erica will not tell me I'm a bad mom. She will never tell me I'm a bad mom. She'll say, you are such a good mom because you do this, that, and the other. This is what's going on here. And she's so she just has such a different perspective, right? So looking at yourself the way your best friend looks at you. Try that for a change. That's really powerful. Coming at you this spring, the She Who Wins Summit is my first live event. There is no other event like it out there. It's not a stuffy, boring conference. The She Who Wins Summit is a day-long event for women who are ready to up-level their life. This event will inspire you. This event will motivate you. This event will move you. Are you ready to supercharge your self-belief and ignite your soul? Join us. For more information, check out www.shewhowins.com. Hope to see you there. Do you think perfectionism is killing our joy? <laughs> Was that a rhetorical question? <laughs> Absolutely. And as a recovering perfectionist, I can tell you it's debilitating. You know, perfectionism, it's just, it leads to procrastination, which leads to paralysis. This is one of the big reasons we don't move forward in our dreams because we are worried about not looking like we have it all together, not having it all figured out, not doing it the right way. We either over romanticize it to the point where we're like, oh, I can never achieve that, or we nitpick it so much we spend our time in the weeds right? Mm. Instead of really tending the whole garden. So perfectionism becomes this thing where we get super laser focused on the flaws, on the things we don't do well. Let's choose again, what would Erica do? What would your best friend say to you? She would say, this looks great. Move on, right? Move along. You're doing just fine. Same thing. There's something so liberating about letting go of that perfectionism because I'm a recovering perfectionist too. And for the longest time, like I wouldn't share my divorce stories because I didn't want anyone to think that I might've been like a hot mess inside. Mm -hmm. And once I let go of that burden, it was amazing. It was, it, you connect with people in a different way because people really want the raw, unfiltered, true version and they don't want the perfect version of you and you just oh, take that no. burden off of yourself like i'm so much lighter because i let go of that so much lighter i think this is a thing and i think especially for women we put up a wall of perfection right we go and we pretend like everything's great with our kids everything's fabulous with my marriage everything is good with everything right and we don't allow that facade to crumble so people can actually come in when we shed that perfectionism, when we share our imperfect stories, when we're real and honest, we allow others in and that deepens relationships and connections. That's what allows us to be seen and heard. And that's truly what we're all looking for is to be seen. And when we share our story, I know, you know, I share several 
very raw, very vulnerable stories in both of my books. Those are the things people like that I get the emails about. I love how you shared this story about this, or I, I totally felt you there, or I felt that emotion. If we pretend to be perfect, which we're not, nobody comes in, right? You know who I'm talking about. You know, there are women in your community that you're like, oh, I don't really like her. She's so put together. Yeah, right. <laughs> we don't want to be that. Yeah. Let's be real. Let's be honest. Let's be ourselves. Let's admit that life is hard from time to time. Let's admit that sometimes I yell at my kids. Sometimes I'm impatient. Sometimes I, all those things. And that's okay. It's okay. Tanya, can you give us insight without, we want people to buy your book, but can you give us insight into like a little snapshot of one of those personal moments for you that you share? Yeah. Well, I share lots of stories, but the, one of the stories that I talk about in this newest book is the story of my miscarriage where, you know, I had the perfect plan in place. Mm -hmm. This is how it's all going to go. And I have it all perfectly mapped out and things don't always go the way they're planned. And sometimes, you know, these things that happen to us in our life, they're our biggest life lessons. It's really the crossroad where our life shifts and changes. And that moment for me was definitely a turning point in my life. But we sometimes miss the gift because of the package it's wrapped in. It's full of pain. It's full of hardship. It's full of things we don't want to talk about. And that's just one of the stories that I share. But I share a lot of behind the scenes of what life is truly like. I try to be really real. And that's what I love when people email me or people meet me and they're like, you're really you. And I'm like, yes, I am really, yeah. I am me in um, video. I'm me when I'm in real life. I'm me on the page. I think it's so important to be authentically yourself at all times. Do you think that busy is bad? Oh, I think busy is a badge of honor that we use. We use that as an excuse. I mean, how often do we say, you know, oh, how are you? And we answer with busy. Oh, I'm busy. Yeah. As if being busy means that we're doing something important. Like it's a way of kind of elevating ourselves. Oh, I'm very busy. Busy doesn't mean you're doing anything important. Busy just means you're chasing your tail, wearing yourself out, exhausting yourself. Truly, when we choose to do less, when we focus in on what is most important, when we prioritize the things in our lives that are more important, when we do fewer things, we go to bed at night and it feels meaningful. It feels mm -hmm. empowering. But we are trained to be busy. I mean, have you ever had like 15 minutes in your day where you don't have anything scheduled? Like you've got everything done and you're like, hold on a minute. What have I done wrong? Like, There's no way I have time to myself. So we have to kind of like reset what that feels like to not be filling our days. One of the questions I start this newest book with is, you know, you're filling your calendar but are you filling your soul? Mm -hmm. Are you truly doing the things that nurture you, that nourish you? Because when we take care of ourselves, when we truly nurture who we are, we give our best version of ourselves to everybody else. Yeah. We are so much more patient with our kids and our spouse. We are so much more giving to our friends and our family members. We are so much more likely to do more for our community when we take care of ourselves. We cannot shine our light on others if our battery needs recharging. And yet we feel like we constantly have to have our light on and we don't charge our batteries. Mm -hmm. So taking care of you is actually one of the most selfless things you can do because it overflows and it spreads to everybody else in your world. I, I couldn't agree more. What are some things that you do to recharge and refuel your soul? Well, one of the big things I do is meditation. I do meditation several times a day. I do at least twice a day. That's a big thing for me. Reading 
for the joy and pleasure of simply reading. That was something I told myself for a long time that I didn't have time to do that. And yet when I give myself time to read, I'm like, I feel so good, right? Going outside, spending time in nature is really big and important for me as well. Spending time with my kids and my family, all those things, just doing things that really feel good. You know, distractions aren't necessarily a bad thing. That's one of the things that I talk about in On Purpose. We hear that word distraction. We think all distractions are bad. Some distractions are very nourishing and nurturing Mm -hmm. to us. And we talk about, you know, how do you figure out whether it's a good distraction or a bad one? You know, sitting down and watching a TV show doesn't make you a bad person. Sometimes it makes you a better person because you needed that reset, right? So I do that sometimes. I'll watch a TV show that I know is just going to make me laugh for no other reason. So just doing little things that that take care of you. Can you talk a little bit about your book? It's called On Purpose, The Busy Woman's Guide to an Extraordinary Life of Meaning and Success. What was the inspiration behind it? And what can we find inside the cover? Yeah, so it's funny because, you know, I wrote The Joy of Missing Out and HarperCollins was like, oh, we love the book. It was named, you know, top business book of the year. And so they said, we want you to write another book. And I was like, great. How about goal setting? I've taught tens of thousands of women how to set and achieve goals. I can totally write a book on goal setting. They were like, yes, that sounds fabulous. People love goal setting. So I sat down in February of 2020. I mapped out the whole book. I had a whole outline. I had a writing schedule in place. And then March of 2020 happened. (laughs) And all of a sudden, everybody shut down. We're quarantining. I've got two kids that I'm suddenly homeschooling, right? I'm trying to figure out things in my business and getting, getting my team at work to feel okay and all those other things. And the writing went out the window. And I couldn't write, couldn't write, couldn't write. And what's amazing is during that pause, I started to really pay attention and I started to realize these questions that were coming up as we were going through the pandemic, people were like, why am I doing the things I'm doing? What's really important to me? How come I've been doing these things, right? We started questioning really, what was our place in the world? Or what were the things that we'd been so busy doing before? Why were we doing them? And I realized goals are not the goal. Goals are the vehicle to get us to that life we want. So in the book, we do talk about goals, but it's not a goal setting book. We talk about the ins and outs of how you set and achieve your goals, but we talk about how do you figure out what are the right goals for you? Because that's one of the big mistakes we make with our goals is that we set goals based off what everybody else is doing. And I'd never seen a book that really got into how do you figure out what your goals should be? So that's really what I started diving into. And I just allowed the book to become this organic thing that it led me where I was meant to be led. And so now the book is got some goal setting in it, but it's a book about purpose. It's really about aligning your life as a whole and then creating goals to get you to that big, bright, beautiful future that you dream about and how that all works together. I love that. Did you end up throwing your other outline out or is it sitting there to be written another day? Well, I took parts of it. I Frankensteined it a little bit, but you know, as a writer, I'm sure you're this way as well. There's always like things that I'm filing away, (laughs) bookmarking, making notes. So there's people are like, do you have an idea for another book? I'm like, I have another idea for like 10 more books. Yeah, right. (laughs) I know. (laughs) My phone has in the notes section has all of these like voice memos of different random thoughts and ideas that I don't want to lose. So (laughs) (laughs) same thing, same thing. But you know what? This is the thing. It's that whole idea of start small, right? You have an idea, capture it, write it down. Later on, when you're ready to do it, you go back and you have all this water from your well to draw upon. 
Oh, I love that. Tanya, what's next for you? Well, that's a good question. I'm really, you know, I'm trying to decide, you know, I'm taking a break for a little bit. I feel like I really focused in on a lot of work and getting through the pandemic and Mm -hmm. writing books. And I'm taking some time off to just kind of decompress and decide what my next move is, you know, decide what book I want to write next and and map that out and, and really make some decisions about where I want to go next in my own life. So it's kind of an exciting time because lots of things are shifting behind the scenes for me as well. And you know what? I think that's so important what you said is allowing yourself to have that pause so that you have the space to let it fall into place and not have to have like the hustle of like, I have to figure out that next thing. And I think that, you know, it's completely true for me too, is when I have that pause and that space, that's when something organically happens and the next great idea comes up. Yeah. It's not when I'm trying to hustle through it or trying to force it. It's just like with writing. It's it's not when you're like, oh, I got to I gotta cram in as many words yeah. as I can. It's really when you receive rather than grasp, right? So for me, for this next year, I'm focusing on doing a lot of speaking and kind of taking a little bit of a break from writing. And then I'm going to pick it up, I think, second half of the year, just to give myself a little grace and breathing room. That's a way of taking care of myself. Where do we find your book? You can find the book anywhere books are sold. So it's available at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target.com. I always encourage people to go to their local bookseller if they want to go in person uh, or even order online. You can also find links to On Purpose and Joy of Missing Out on my website, which is TanyaDalton.com. You can also find links to my own podcast there, The Intentional Advantage. And what's your, before I let you go, what is your podcast about? Yeah. So the podcast is called The Intentional Advantage. And it's really about, I say it's like stepping into intentional leadership, whether leadership for you is leadership as an entrepreneur, leadership in the corporate space, or leadership even in your local community, really helping give you the tools and the strategies to decide what it is you want in your life and to live with intention. It's an extension of this idea of on purpose with productivity spun in and focused in with it as well. So it's really a lot of fun. I'm on like episode 250 some odd at this point. So lots of backlog there too. So it's a lot of fun. That's one of my passion projects that I really enjoy. So if you like podcasts, you can find it here on whatever podcast you know, player you're using right now. You can just search for intentional advantage. And we'll have all of the links for everything in the show notes too. Tanya, it was an absolute pleasure to have you. You are a total delight. Like you are just lighting up this, this interview, the screen, like your energy is just magnetic. So I'm so honored to have this chat with you. Everyone has to pick up a copy of her book because who does not want to live an extraordinary life? And we all are certainly busy. So everyone should be, should be reading this. So thank you so much. Thank you. I'm passionate about getting women to, to feel passionate about what they do. So that's part of what I do. I love it. You only live once, right? Might that's well right. With it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a wrap. Link up with us at MsReneeBauer.com. Remember to rate and review and share with anyone you think might find this episode helpful. You can change your story and live happy even after. Oh.